you just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career, learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with draft digital Well, hello, everybody. It says we're live, and I have to trust what the computer tells me to think. So uh, welcome to another week of Self-Publishing Insiders, the live stream provided to you by Draft2Digital. Uh, and you may be listening to this as our uh, podcast, Self-Publishing Insiders. And if you are, welcome to you as well. You don't get to ask questions live, though. So if you want to be able to ask questions live, what you got to do is tune into these things every Thursday at noon central, on Facebook or YouTube, and you can find it if you go to d2dlive.com. So now that you've been appropriately shamed for not being here live, uh, welcome Mark Leslie Lefebvre, who is uh, our resident expert on the self-publishing industry. You're the industry insight guy, Mark. Well, I, I'm just relying on the the work of a lot of really, really smart people at draft to digital who are creating these amazing reports, um, but doing uh, a lot of analytics um digesting tens of thousands of lines of data <laughs> yeah which you know that's so much fun but taking a look at it breaking it down and trying to understand considering the fact that between smashwords draft to digital and the smashwords store and all the distributors like all of the retailers and libraries that we distribute to when we collect this data back in we're looking at a pretty authoritative look at the indie yeah, publishing industry. Nobody else has the kind of data. So I thought it would be really important. I know, Kevin, you and I have talked about this a lot. It's really important to continue that great work that Mark Coker started doing yeah. industry insider reports. And he would always do a great uh, year-end summary, but trying to take some of that data a little bit closer to real time. So Q1 of 2022, breaking it down and trying to identify trends so we can help authors make more informed decisions about their own writing businesses. So I'm, I'm just so thrilled that, that we, we have the ability to do this now. I, I, I know this is something, uh, and you and I have talked about this before, like this is something that we've both really wanted for, for the publishing industry, for the, for the, tr what used to be called the self-publishing industry, but now we just call the publishing industry. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's my, that's my uh, ongoing quest right now is I like to tell people that, you know, it used to be that there was, uh, well, there's publishing and then there's self-publishing, but now it's like there's publishing and then there's traditional publishing. Yeah, like and, but over. one of the things to, to let's uh, along those same lines is draft to digital is a tool yeah. that authors who are traditionally published can leverage, and there are authors who leverage it where they work with a publisher yeah. and they maybe sell rights to specific countries, North American rights only, for example, to a major publisher, right? And then they leverage draft to digital to publish not in North America, but everywhere else. So it's not just a tool for self-published authors. It's a tool for authors. Never mind, you know, last week's books to read webinar as well as a reminder that it doesn't matter how your books are published, you can still use the free books to read tools. Right. And, and, and I think the whole draft to digital ecosystem is meant to be tools for writers to help them get back to writing uh, yes. as much as possible, right? Exactly. Yeah. We're trying to take all the burden of the distribution and other other. The other pesky aspects of a writing business off your shoulders. So that yeah, you are, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so uh, before we jump right into uh, the content of the day, I do want to tell everybody I've been sharing links in the uh, comments 
Um, but if you are not seeing those, you can go to ddd.tips slash insight to see not just the post for today's uh, show, but uh, pa the past one that we did. There's only been a couple of these so far. We're going to do these like once a quarter uh, to kind of give you an insight into how this is going. Here's our advantage, by the way. We are now officially the largest distributor of self-published uh, authors and books and, and uh, small, small publishers on the planet. Like we are it. Like we are that big now so i hear there's uh, one starting on a, on a on a satellite station uh that that might get close one day a satellite station oh well, the, the largest one that's off this planet off this planet <laughs> so, yeah. we we may actually be the largest publisher on the international space station at this point i'm not sure we're, we're gonna <laughs> check into it but if you go to ddd.tips insight that's where you're going to find these. Uh, so if you're listening to this in the future, uh, the quarter one of 2022 may be your past and may not be relevant to you any longer, but you can find whatever the current one is at that site, ddd.tips slash insight. So Mark, um, now we have, now don't go wandering away on me, man. Garbage truck was coming. I had to close the window. <laughs> <laughs> it's like suddenly leaving me just to fend for myself. Um, now this went live this morning around 8 a.m central uh so i don't think most people have had an opportunity to to read through it yet i've read through it um am impressed uh as always but why don't you uh start us off i i know the very first thing that you start talking about here is actually our top selling genres for quarter one of 2022 yeah i wanted i wanted to highlight now we all know romance is the number one <laughs> genre because Romance readers are so voracious, yeah. you know, Everybody one book romance. a day is not enough for many voracious romance readers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's obviously the number one, but we, what we did is a breakdown. And, and again, this is not based on unit sales. Now I'm going to borrow this line from uh, Aaron Wright of the wide for the win movement and group. And she says, bank over rank, because you can't earn a living as an author off of the ego feed of seeing a number one ranking because you sold a lot of units. Right. You need to kind of, especially if this, if your goal as an author is to earn a living, um, that's why we sorted this by revenue rather than units. So we have obviously romance number one, fantasy number two, mystery and detective number three, erotica number four, action and adventure number five, science fiction number six. Women's fiction, number seven. Crime fiction, number uh, eight. Uh, LGBT, uh, Q+, plus, uh, but the Bizeye code is LGBT, yeah. uh, is the next one. Then, then interestingly enough, um, it's, it's a lot of the genre fiction that is dominating indie author sales. Yeah. But health and fitness, diet and nutrition in Q1 was actually in in that in that top ranking uh, area just just below lgbtq plus and and then you had fiction family life fiction coming of age and so those were the top um by by revenue the top genres for q1 now i'm speculating of course and i didn't write this in the article that well potentially diet and revenue always has a bit of an uptick at the beginning of the year as we all have these goals and dreams true <laughs> yeah i'm gonna exercise more i'm going to eat properly all those things but obviously there's some indie authors who have published some books a good friend of ours roland denzel yeah. you know has some great evergreen books on healthy lifestyle as well and indie i believe they're in indie published now i think they may yeah. have originally been with the publisher but I think, um so yeah. 
I'm, I'm not going to shame that. myself by saying anything because I I know he's got some indie published stuff and I know he's still got some he's got some trad, trad pub, pub stuff. Yeah, yeah, so he's got a bit of both, but obviously that could be one of the reasons. So we may not see, we may see, who knows? We may see diet and nutrition uh, in, in Q2 results, but it's interesting to see. It's not always just genre fiction, and for me, it's really important. Because if you're an author who doesn't write romance fiction, yeah, yeah. you go, well, I guess I'm out of luck. Yeah, I, I want authors to recognize that. I mean, and, and again, there's thousands of Bizac categories. We only highlighted the very top of the top. We didn't go into, you know, you know, here's here's the order ranked by three thousand different Bizac codes, right? Yeah. So, for example, when I say uh, romance, it's romance and all the subcategories of romance. Yeah, you know, which that, I believe you you break down in the uh, post as well yeah a little bit yeah. more i broke that i broke it down a little bit more but we can't get into the entire list yeah, that, because, uh, yeah. this is only a 45 minute show so. <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but i mean we could look at come some of the like let's we could take a look at the like top two or three i mean yeah I, it's interesting to me con, the phrase contemporary romance what does that mean to you when you hear that what does that mean so contemporary romance, um, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, not not trying to insult or anything, but it's just sort of like generic romance of the maybe the Danielle Steele style. I'm, and okay. I'm using big name authors uh, to sort of illustrate it for for people who are listening to it. It's, it's the big bucket. set in modern times. Yeah. It's contemporary. It's it's a classic love story, as opposed okay. to suspense which is a combination. Like I love romantic suspense novels because they have two things I love. I love love stories, but yeah. I also really love suspense and thrillers. And so it combines that action suspense thrillers with romance. And and so, um, and, and then you get into obviously new adult romance. So it's, uh, you know, of a certain age, yep. um, you know, a little bit beyond uh, YA. And then you get into historical and Regency, which of course you're probably seeing a uh, side effect of uh, Diana Capaldin's uh, Outlander yes. uh, or Bridgerton or something like that. So you're seeing that uh, the, the thirst in the community for the, that kind of historical romance is uh, growing as well. And then, I mean, there's always the billionaire romance that has been popular since since uh, that gray character in, uh, you know, Fifty Shades, right? Yes. That, that, yeah. From that point on, billionaire romance has just become its own wonderful subgenre for so many indie authors yeah yeah a now you 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 call out that the second highest overall category is fantasy yeah which uh may be related to this this what you were just saying that you know we've got we've got all this fantasy fiction coming at us from film and tv uh do you think that's what's driving that or is there i don't know there's a part of me that also thinks that there's a there's a demand for that because it is so escapist and we could really use that right about now we really uh, could yeah <laughs> well yeah you have i mean you you do have the richness of such great shows uh, or movies that that still you know harry potter and and the the lord of the rings and yeah. hobbit and all of those right and and they were movies so they brought them to a lot more people than than just readers and then of course you get game of thrones you know right. popular television series fantasy Coming um, up, although erotica and romance and yeah. horror, all the things, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> in there. But here's the other thing: uh, when you think about fantasy, so paranormal romance is also among the top. But then when you look at fantasy, you're also getting a lot of paranormal, um, and so paranormal as opposed yeah. to epic fantasy. So paranormal was the number one category, 
meaning it's not the Tolkien fantasy so much, although that is popular. The Tolkien, the epic um, uh, is up higher level. Uh, dark fantasy is one that was the, the fourth highest. And dark fantasy was traditionally, uh, as a horror author, you know, a lot of horror authors said, well, we're not going to use the horror label because that's like a label we don't want. Yeah. We'll call it dark fantasy because that's very literary and very highbrow. It it's sound. really just horror. Yeah. Um, so you have uh, of a paranormal and urban fantasy. I mean, I, I write uh, paranormal urban fantasy thrillers as well. So I'm guilty of writing in this genre. So happy to, you know, all half dozen of my sales contributed <laughs> to, <laughs> to this. But then you get romantic fantasy as well which is interesting and then at the very very uh well so it, it's kind of interesting when you look at the bizac categories because there's you know 3600 different subject classifications yeah, yeah you've got urban fantasy but then you've got contemporary fantasy <laughs> so yes. what's the difference well there's contemporary fantasy like urban but it's not set in an urban setting and it's more of a rural setting but it's modern <laughs> like that's yeah. the that's the interesting although i guess um when you think about urban fantasy, it could potentially be historical urban fantasy. That's true. I've actually, someone made that argument to me in another podcast that, yeah, you know, it, just because it's urban doesn't mean it's contemporary. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it could, yeah, it could be. And it's like, is it Victorian urban? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, then there's the country music right side, the Tim urban fantasy. Um, <laughs> moving on very quickly. Moving That's a on very quickly. niche uh, subgenre. <laughs> Did I get that right? I don't even know if I got that right. I may have missed. I may have. Yeah, I don't okay, know. Okay, I got the joke you were shooting. Uh, so there's, um, you know, it's disconcerting me that I do not see thrillers on the top, uh, the top list. Uh, but I do see mystery and detective and action and adventure, which you know my books do fall into those categories. Yeah. That would probably highlight the necessity to make sure your book is uh, like pick your top three genres, right? Yeah. Well, it's a subgenre uh, as well, right? I, th those are those are really uh, really important, and and so I think that's an interesting thing because when it a lot of when you when you look at merchandising lists on the major retailers that that we play with all the time, yeah. they'll often mix thrillers and mystery and crime. Depending on what what geo uh, location they're in, <laughs> they right. may mix them together in the same categories. Um, there's still a lot of dominance for uh, thrillers. Not that there's not a lot of great thrillers being published and selling well in the indie author community. Right. But I mean, I just finished reading a traditionally published thriller from a Canadian friend of mine, uh, published by Simon and Schuster, and it's been dominating the Canadian bestseller list since the book came out over a month ago. Wow! And so obviously, there's there's that yeah uh, you know the girl who yes. <laughs> thrillers that are yeah uh, um, that that sort of thing. Whether she was on a train in a house across the street drinking wine, whatever the case was, that's a popular. That's there's been like a, popular a thing in that genre. Yeah, there's like a parody series on Netflix right now that's like. The girl who saw it's, the girl across yeah. the street who was murdered by the girl who whatever, you know. From the girl in the window. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. Actually great, it's a great series with uh, uh, Kristen um, Bell. <clears throat> yes. Uh, she is She is wonderful. I haven't watched it yet. but So uh, you kind of brought something, a similar idea up. So I'm going to post this comment real quick. Uh, the Lady Writes on YouTube says, I was surprised to see science fiction and fantasy separate. Thank you for doing that. Not everyone does. Uh, yeah. That's a... That's a long running kind of complaint from like bookstores, you know? Yeah. So I think you got to remember. So, and I started in bookstores back before yeah. the big box stores existed. So typically a typical um, a bookstore would maybe have 5,000 to 10,000 titles and have very, very limited retail space. 
Yeah. Therefore, they had fiction, romance, maybe westerns, and then they would just take science fiction and fantasy and put anything that was speculative in nature, yeah. even horror sometimes, and just throw it all in there. Yeah. And of course, the diehard fans who go, well, I love fantasy or epic fantasy, but I don't read <clears throat> science fiction. Right. You know, and then even within that, you say, well, I, I only read military science fiction or I only read near future science fiction or I only read dystopian. So there's 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 so much subtlety in, in subgenres that were not possible until the big box stores came out, because then there was enough retail space to actually properly divide science fiction and fantasy properly and then do the subcategories. But right. then online book selling, of course, made that even better because you didn't have to worry about, well, I have one copy of the book. What shelf is it going on in the store? Yeah. You know, it's virtual shelves. So you can be in multiple categories at the same time. And so I really think that online book selling helped that. So um, uh, thank you so much, the lady writes. But we really have to thank the trends of technology in the industry that actually allow us as consumers to find the books we want to read. Right. And of course, just as importantly on our end as authors, allow <laughs> us to place those books in those specific subcategories and not just go, yeah, sci-fi fantasy, it's all the same. Yeah, right? exactly. I, I you know, And I should point out that we have that nifty reading list tool that you can separate fantasy and sci-fi as much as you want on if you want to present people with a reading list. Um, <laughs> Was that like always, a webinar last week or something? I think there may have been a webinar about it. So uh, if you didn't see that, by the way, you can find that on our our blog at uh, 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 com slash blog. You can, you can just search for that and find, uh, just search webinar and you get to see the whole series. Sure. Um, so I'm looking at the section here on your post uh, labeled global growth. It okay. has nice yeah. nifty charts. Um, why don't, can you, I know the people listening aren't going to be able to, to really, they, they can't just quite visualize these charts. Yeah. You can if they go to the, the post, but uh, can you kind of run through this for us? Picture this. There, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get you started. So <laughs> what I did is I, I took a look at the top selling territories for 2019. I went back a few years prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. and, and, and and then I looked at 2022. One of the reasons I did this is I just got access to the, 20, the, the report. And so I yeah. grabbed the 2022 data. And then the other data I'd had was from was run in 2020 for 2019. I didn't have time when I was writing this report to go back and look at all the years. So I thought, well, that gives us enough of a distinction. But it, what we did see it, it, when you actually look at this is it's a slow change. One of the key things we saw is that in 2019, the, the U.S. was uh, a larger percentage of sales. So what happened is uh, they went from eight point, uh, what was it? Sorry, I can't even see the data in front of me. But the U.S. sales was initially a, a slightly larger percentage, and it's yeah. lower. Not to say that U.S. sales are down, because they're not. They are still growing. We're seeing growth. But as a percentage of overall sales, they're a smaller percentage. What does yep. that mean? Global growth. As we all know, there's a lot the adoption of ebook selling is still limited, right? Still, yep. most people who read still read print books. And so particularly in Europe uh, and, and across Europe and, and overseas, not, not in the UK so much, uh, you're having countries that haven't yet fully adopted. Well, even in the US and the UK, we haven't fully adopted ebook reading. We're still at the cutting edge at the early days of, of that. For anyone who thinks those glory days of ebook selling are over. They're not. <laughs> right. They're they've only just begun. I may break into song, 
But I think when you think about this global growth, there's just increases more and more opportunities because when you think about, well, in the US, there's one dominant player that shall not be named some river place, right? There's there's this dominant player in an existing market that people think is done and, and is, yeah. is, can, is a write-off. Uh, and that's not the case, although they, they will probably always maintain a dominance in the US and the UK. But there are other countries, or Kobo, for example, was one of the companies that really took the reins and said, hey, the U.S. has spoken for it. Let's go after all of these partners and all these other territories to see if we can grow. And so what you're seeing is the combination of Kobo and Apple and Google Play, you're seeing growth across other uh, territories. Another reason why we're seeing this particular growth is we recently, my recently in the last year, signed BorrowBox. And BorrowBox, for any uh, author listening who's not familiar, is BorrowBox is a distributor, a wholesale distributor to libraries in Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, and the UK. So they're known to people in those territories. But here in North America, we go, well, I've heard of Overdrive. I've heard of Baker and Taylor, but I haven't heard too too many of the other ones, right? So BorrowBox is someone we added, and obviously we've seen global growth because we added a global retailer or a global uh, wholesaler who's not available in North America. So of course we're going to see growth in those areas too. Yeah. I I think we have an opportunity there, by the way, as we are getting books into libraries in Australia, uh, we should be able to monitor and see if we're, if we're seeing actual sales growth on platforms in that region. Yeah. To see if how effective, library distribution is for encouraging sales outside of that platform. Yeah. What do you think of that idea? Oh, oh, for sure. I'm all for that. And I even know uh, two of our partners, uh, two of our uh, library partners are very, very interested in spotlighting Australian authors for Australian libraries. So if you're listening, you should contact us and say, hey, I'm an Australian author. (laughs) Yeah. We'll make sure that you're distributing your your books to those library platforms so then we can send your name and your titles over to those partners and say, hey, tell your libraries about this awesome author. They should really pay more attention. And 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 I'm in a Canadian country, and I know that's something we take a lot of pride in. And so it's like the Canadian author flag is really important to retailers and, and libraries here in Canada. There's often sections. Uh, Indigo, our, our largest, uh, kind of like a Barnes & Noble of Canada, large chain. Yeah bookstore often has they their slogan used to be the world needs more canada and they often have um you know uh, authors from the north or or whatever to to try and spotlight canadian talent yeah and so i know that as we work with partners who are looking to spotlight talent in their region that's really important vivlio for example in france they're huge in france so if you're an author from france and you're looking for opportunities let us know maybe maybe we can just point out your your books to Vivlio as well. Because again, yeah. there's that hometown pride that people can often take as, uh, you know, as retailers, librarians, et cetera. Right. Yeah. The world does need more Canada. Um, we have a question. Actually, it is a question. Uh, I might as well pop it up at this point. Uh, <laughs> William Brinkman says, uh, asks, is urban fantasy counted as fantasy on your list? Yes, William, that's a great question. So at the high level, when I say fantasy, it's all of the 38 or 40 subcategories of fantasy yeah. and urban fantasy is one of them, as is contemporary, as is yeah. Arthurian, as is paranormal, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, great question. Your charts, I guess. I keep, oh, my I charts. keep grabbing anything. Uh, so you, you start talking about trends that we should pay attention to. What are yeah. those? 
And this is not, we're not <laughs> advising people now go out and write books to the, to these genres, because that's, what's going to be hot. This yeah. is more like, these are the things that, that, you know, you may want to yeah. keep in mind as you write. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're just looking at, Hey, uh, you know, there's still growth globally. There's still opportunities for you as authors. Here are the genres uh, that are selling really, really well. Here are the breakdown of some of the subgenres, just so you can understand a little bit more about it. Um, yeah. I'm more of a fan. I've been in the industry since 1992, and I know that trends will come and go. I think one of the key things, yes, writing the market is important, or at least understanding the market you're writing to is critical. That's critical. Actually writing to market, especially if it's a, a something you don't believe in, may not be something you can sustain for a long time as a writer. You may be able to yeah. do it, but it may not feel good. <laughs> so yeah. I always vote for, you know, write the stories that you're, you're passionate to tell, write the stories that you want to tell. If you're passionate of writing this genre and this genre, and you see that this genre is doing really, really well, well, maybe this is a focus right now. But I'm not saying to completely say, well, you know, like, for example, I'm not going to, although I did, I did just co-author a romance uh, novel, but I'm not going to go and write romance because that's popular. Yeah. Uh, more popular than the genre I normally write in. So I'm not suggesting you do that, but it's good to pay attention to the trends so you understand what's right. going on. Now, one trend I want authors to be completely aware of, and this, Kevin, is based not only on data that we've seen that we've been able to measure, but just in interactions that I know that you and um, Dan and myself and other members of the Draft Digital team have had in conversations with other authors uh, through in-person and virtual uh, networking that we've done. And also paying attention to, because we often do pay attention to the trends and the reports about the traditional publishing industry. Because even though we are a self-publishing platform, we need to understand where we fit within the greater platform so we can help authors understand that. Yeah. And the one thing that we've seen, and, and we've recognized this, is this is, um, we're at a point in time in our history where two years ago, March of 2020, we were so thrilled to see triple-digit ebook growth, particularly into the library market, as, as people were locking down, they were shutting themselves in and isolating and not able to go and socialize with other people. And and then and they also couldn't get into bookstores and it's difficult because you know a physical book might come with a virus, ironically. Um, they were they were discovering the joy of ebook reading. So ebook sales just went through the roof. Yeah. We're you know starting to normalize and stabilize after that growth. But what we're seeing is almost like a rebound effect. And, and I kind of equate it for two reasons. Right now in the world, and in particular in, in North America, most of the lockdowns and legislations and mask mandates and all of those things have been lifted. Yeah. And for the first time in two years, <clears throat> people are so excited that they can get and go and mingle in groups and crowds. Last night was my son's high school graduation. This is the first graduation ceremony they've had since 2019 yeah. in a giant room with a lot of people as opposed to the virtual ceremony. So people are out and about, uh, especially here in North America. It's spring. Yay, we get to go out. Uh, well, not where yeah. you live, but where I live. I'm so excited that I, I don't have to put on a jacket and my galoshes and my toque and all the things to get outside. I can yeah. just go outside quickly and easily. And so reading... Uh, not as many people are buying, not as many people are reading. So if you were doing something as an author that was working really, really well in January and February, for example, and you did the exact same thing, you ran a promotion with a one of the th great third party, like the BookBubs or the Written Word Media, Bargain Booksy, Free Booksy, any of those sites out there that you're running great promos on, and you run the, a similar promo and it doesn't work, yeah. anytime between April and now, 
chances are you didn't do anything wrong. And I want authors to understand that chances are it's just a side effect of the state of the world right now. And the fact that very few people or fewer people are buying books as, as they were just yeah. a few months ago. And so um, we're seeing that uh, trend across the industry. You're even seeing reports from the traditional side of things. So it's not, it's not you. I mean, it could be you, but it's, it's not something to think about. Well, it worked before. Why isn't it working now? Yeah. I would advise authors, if you're cautious and worried about overspending on ads that you're running and stuff like that, instead of double doubling down and investing more, maybe just hold back a little bit. <laughs> just yeah. Let's wait until we get to midsummer and hopefully we're going to get more into the, Hey, I'm on vacation. I want to beach read. I want to just enjoy myself. Or as we're getting closer to the end of the year, I want to learn. You know, it's time. <clears throat> right. now it's time. Six months into the year. Okay, now it's time for me to do those things I thought I was going to do in January. I, I still have time. Yeah. So I just want I want people to be aware of those trends so they're not blaming themselves. Because one of the things you know this, Kevin, we blame ourselves as authors. Uh, we we have imposter syndrome. We think, oh, I must have done something wrong. I must have annoyed my readers or whatever. Yeah. And that's not the case uh, at all. Uh, yeah. For the most part, it's most likely an industry trend and you're just suffering through that right now. Yeah. And like you said, everybody, uh, every every publisher, uh, tra traditional or otherwise, is kind of dealing with that same same thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, too bad we don't have like a magic bullet to uh, to get around that. But no, I've been looking maybe one day. <laughs> uh, so. I, this is uh this is new this is somewhat new for us but it's something we're going to start leaning into and i'm i'm excited about it i know you're i know you're excited about it we got our brand new uh promotions uh what's her what's her official title promotions coordinator megan yeah. span she is awesome yeah and uh so excited she started with us uh, i guess a month ago right yeah yeah she took over for somebody from some, some really some lovely lady. lady that you may know. But yeah, yeah Kara was awesome. I yeah. I was worried. Like, how do you replace someone as awesome as Karen? But oh my God, Megan. The problem I have. Yeah. So I talk to I tell that to myself all the time. How do I replace someone as awesome as Kara? I guess I better keep her. Yeah, you gotta keep her. <laughs> but but Megan has been uh and, and and it was great that Megan and Kara got to work alongside one another for a little mm -hmm. while and Kara did some great training. Mm -hmm. As Kara had just been learning some new reports uh, post-merger of pulling data from the Smashwords system and then yep. also the draft digital system. And so what Megan's been doing is being able to combine these reports. So there's been some great reports that Smashwords has historically always sent to Romantic Daily Times, sending a, a bestseller uh, report to Publishers Weekly as well, yeah. uh, the industry of, of indie bestsellers. And now we can merge that data. So it sales from all of the distributed platforms that Smashwords goes to, yep. libraries and retailers, all of this distributed platforms that Drafted Digital goes to library and re retailers, plus sales on the Smashwords store where you make 85% as an author if you sell through the Smashwords store. And don't worry, we're going yes. to be leveraging that to your benefit authors uh, in the coming We're going to make that easier for everybody. Yeah. yeah, make it easier to earn more uh, just yeah. by pushing a button. Uh, and, and, and again, we get to control the merchandising, so we'll be able to offer way more opportunities for authors there. But right. taking all of that combined data and merging it, and so this is an April bestsellers report uh, that we weren't able to run until the end of May. And the reason is because we don't get all the reports back from all the places right away. So we yeah. wanted to wait until we had, I think it's like the 25th 
of May was when Megan could finally pull all the data because all yeah. of them had been reported. And then we pulled the data. She mashed it all together, sent the report off to Publishers Weekly. And then I took some of that data. And, and again, we sorted this by revenue, not unit sales. Again, because we wanted to highlight bank over rank uh, as important. Now, there's, there's, there's a pretty close uh, correlation between unit sales and revenue, although there are some cases where there are where there are ones where the sales it might have been maybe number 28 on the list in terms of unit sales but it was number 25 in terms of revenue so there is that that difference there what we did is we wanted to share uh the bestseller list and and so megan is uh in the process today because we just posted this live uh of emailing and congratulating the authors because what we want to do is a couple things i mean authors work in isolation they're always working so hard they may not even be aware that they're a bestseller yeah. And so what we did is we're contacting, we're messaging them and saying, hey, congratulations, you're one of the top 25 best selling authors uh, from April. And we'll be doing this every month. Now, we're only going to be doing the quarterly breakdown uh, like we're, you and I are doing right now and talking about yeah. it. But every month we're going to be posting the top 25. And what we did with the image here is we wanted uh, the top 10 because I was just trying to get a, a, a nice uh, round number. There are several authors you may notice in the bestseller list who are repeated. You know, they're obviously they're, you know, for example, uh, Lexi Tim's uh, The Bunkmate, uh, mm -hmm. which is the Roommate's Wanted series number two, uh, is the third best-selling book. But then Lexi Tim's fifth, the fifth best-selling uh, Tim's is another one by Lexi Tim's. Yeah. And so you have Al Kennedy as well appears multiple times on the list. So what we wanted to do here just to kind of spotlight more authors and give more authors a spot in the sun is we picked the top one from each of the authors. And then if that author appeared again, what we did is in the image, at least, we, we wanted to show, you know, 10 different authors as opposed to, you know, showing three of the authors like four times or something. Yeah. Like so again, it's just a chance for us to try and spotlight and show uh, some really, really great uh, sales that we're seeing across the board. So it's not just one particular retailer. This is across amalgamated from multiple retailers. And even in some cases, the titles are doing okay on retailers, but where they're really knocking it out of the park is in the library market, right? So this yeah. is a really great uh, start to sharing some of the bestsellers that we're seeing to try to uh, spotlight authors. You may notice a trend here, Kevin. Do you notice a trend of a, the just judging the books by the covers? There, do you see a trend? Is it is it bare chestedness? Well, apart from there's, that, there's the called, only a couple of those actually <laughs> this time, right? Yeah, you, you these the are mostly this is all romance, yeah. right? Mostly romance. Now, Mostly Alex romance. Uh, Kava, actually, you see that that looks more like uh, action thriller. That seems right? like a, yeah, suspense or something. Yeah, yeah. suspense. And then, um, and, yeah, again, you're obviously seeing a certain style of, of romance as well. Yeah. But again, just taking, a, and again, we're just quickly judging them by the covers, but you can see, and that's why we shared the genre as well. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot of romances dominating, but women's fiction. So Rachel Hannah, The Beach, for example, that's women's fiction. Um, yeah, and, and so even though when you looked at that category women's fiction, it was further down on the overall list for Q1 in the top 25 titles, she's still there. She's got a title yeah. uh, there. So just because that genre that we talked about earlier isn't number one or isn't at the top of the list does not mean this is not something that can be very lucrative uh, yeah. for an author. And, and And again, just think about how many different how many different uh, readers get to get to enjoy some of this uh, fiction. Yeah, exactly. This is cool. Yeah. And we're going to be uh, kind of pushing that out there in, and, and uh, 
shouting out for these authors um, to congratulate them on our list. And over time, we're going to, this is going to grow. I, I think one day it is not inconceivable that people will forget all about that whole New York Times list and yeah. only care about the DDD bestseller <laughs> yeah. list. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> I'll put, I'm going to start putting DDD bestseller. <laughs> on all my books well i think i think maybe that. we need to make a little badge for authors and give it to them and say you're a you're a you're a top selling d2d author we should do that here you go yeah <laughs> everybody in the comments you tell us if if, if you were a if you made that d2d bestseller list would you want to display your badge on your website or your book cover or whatever let us know in the in the comments um speaking of comments uh we got a couple a lot of these are about print let me let's pop this one up. Uh, I think this was already answered by some of our folks in the comments, but yeah. um, Lord, I won't try that name. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, is C. Amazon? We'll call you C. C. <laughs> CM uh, asks: uh, Is Amazon the only partner of uh, DDD for print? No. Uh, and the answer is no. We actually use. We we can we have an expanded distribution that can get you to bookstores planet wide. Really, I mean, there's no super, no serious limit to where your book can show up. Um, but we do distribute to Amazon. Uh, but we you don't even have to distribute to Amazon. You can actually turn Amazon off as one of the distribution yeah. channels for for your print book if you'd like. So, right? Is that incorrect? You're shaking your head. Correct. No, you can't. You can't. I thought it, I thought you could select whoever you wanted. Well, for ebooks, yes. For ebooks. For, oh. for print. For print. No. Well, then I uh, just. Yeah, okay. I'd like my comments stricken from the record. <laughs> I'm just going to take out the little the little uh, men in black thing and and fly yep. it to everyone's ears. All right. Well, no, it's good. <laughs> this is good because I was under the impression that you could. Uh, but that's all right. To be improved. No, what happens? Though, to explain is, it is if you've published directly to Amazon through KDP. Yeah. And you're using the exact same ISBN that maybe you own. Uh, it's on Amazon directly. And then if you publish it through D2D print, yeah. what'll happen is it'll get sent to Amazon, but Amazon will ignore it because they go, ah, we got it. We don't, yeah. you know, need it, got it, need it, got it. They're like, no, we don't want this. We already have it. So we're good. Yeah. And and they prefer themselves anyways. Right. Because they make more money. They don't have to split with the distributor. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why I was yeah. confused. Because yeah, I, so it, you can turn it off going, on Amazon. Yeah, it's you, going to Amazon, but it's not getting to Amazon because right. of that reason. But you, there's no way to deselect Amazon you, as a distribution platform. You can you're thinking about the old yeah. the old system. Okay. <laughs> that's probably it. But yeah. I, I know that on K on the on KDP print on Amazon, you can turn off expanded distribution. Yeah, and, and you should never turn it on in the first place. You should never turn that on. Uh, <laughs> and just use us for expanded distribution. We get more places anyway. Uh, but that may be what I was thinking about. That Maybe you were thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, or not. You know, I'm, that's giving me way too much credit. Let's not give me that much credit. Um, so, you know, in this, this question is related to that, too. Everybody wants to know about... Uh, DDD print today. So uh, two questions. This is question number one. The problem I'm having is, and maybe others are having, is uh, Amazon either not listing the print books or saying they are out of print. See, we were just talking about this. Yeah. Uh, is a happy resolution anytime soon in the cards? So, so since that's not under our control, we we can't. Yeah. Although I do know, I do know over time it stabilizes, it normalizes. Yeah. When your book is first goes live, 
it's yeah. a week or two or even longer where it looks unavailable. And, and that's just Amazon doing their weird stuff where they're trying to yeah. force you to want to publish directly to them or whatever, whatever ingenious thing that they're trying to do to, to drive you away from using distributors and owning the market. Yeah. But it does normalize over time because I, I do have that with a number of my books. And I'm always upset when they first go live. Yeah. And they look, oh, it's going to take 16 to 29 weeks to get the book. Yeah, and then ridiculous. over yeah. time, and here's what happens, because Amazon is very customer-centric, is once the book gets printed and it gets distributed, it's usually the turnarounds relatively quick. And then once Amazon has the actual data yeah. that shows that it's going to be there in you know one to two days or, or whatever the case is, it normalizes. But it does take some time. So, Michael, I do understand your frustration there. Yeah, my gripe with that is that seeing that number it's going to take six months to deliver that can discourage sales and so it does yeah uh, yeah but whatever all right michael's follow-up question was uh if a bookstore asks me how to order print copies what do i tell them you can tell them oftentimes because it will if it's coming through d2d print it will be non-returnable which means they'll want to order it in only if they believe they're going to be able to sell it and because they're not going to be able to return it back to uh back to the wholesaler yeah um but it should be available on their online like for special order and stuff like that. I know even there's indie bookstores here in Canada and town that I love to support. And I know people can go to their website and order the book and they'll order it in for you. Yeah. They'll order it in for any customer. Yeah. But they're not likely to want to stock the books because the way bookstores operate, the business of bookstores is they need the ability to be able to return them to the publisher for a credit. And with these print-on-demand titles, they are currently default set to non-returnable and so that that option kind of goes away unless you have a great relationship with a bookstore and they either want to take them directly from you on consignment or they're willing to order them through the wholesaler um you know through uh, they're available through ingram uh, yeah. wholesale distribution which is the world's largest wholesaler of of print books most bookstores in the english-speaking world have access to ingram and mm -hmm. use them regularly yeah um and they may want to stock them to support you but again, Michael, that's no, there's no easy answer to that because we're talking about different people who run their businesses different ways and we can't state how they're going to run their business. They make those decisions themselves. But key thing you can do is have a really solid relationship with your local bookstore and maybe that solid relationship leads to them being willing to be flexible. I, I do recommend, I, I use that consignment model personally where I'll go to a bookstore and offer to bring them some copies and and check back in with them and, you know, do the inventory of it, you know, um, and it, and what's great about that is they can still order additional books. So if the thing sells out and people are still interested, they can go ahead and order the book, but yeah. it's a good way to kind of whet the appetite a little. Um, exactly. All right. Here's your so, free sample. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's basically what it is. You're, you're, you know, you're, you take all the risk, but that's kind of our shtick anyway, right? As yeah. indie authors, we're taking all the risks but we also get all the rewards. Yeah. So uh, last question I have bookmarked at the moment, and I'll go searching for some more. But uh, Tom Ray asks, uh, do the big guys use an AI to read the work and classify it in their own opinion? Not to my knowledge. Not that I'm aware of. They're, they're, they're the big guys talking about the big publishers, is that what you mean? Like the, the That's what I large think publishers? Mean. Yeah, or, or no, Amazon. They have editors. I'm, I'm guessing they... he means like Amazon and others. To categorize it, you know, to oh, they are choosing, yeah. uh, like Amazon in particular is pretty bad about. I'm and I'm only guessing, Tom. So you fill us in if I'm wrong on this. But you know, Amazon, you'll put your book up and you'll choose your 
Bisacks, but uh, it'll show up in like ten other categories based on keywords and other things. I've yeah. heard that. That's changed. not that's not AI reading the book. Um, although that that the technology does exist, right? The yeah. technology to read books like that, and and our good friend uh, Alessandra uh, Alexandra Torre, right? She's uh, spearheaded a company that uh, what's it called, Marlowe, that mm -hmm. can actually read a book and sort of classify the category yeah. based on the words and stuff like that, but. Um, we believe it seems like they use the metadata and part of the metadata is the keywords uh, yeah. as well. So it's the Bizac codes you put in plus potentially where in Amazon's case where they also read the keywords to reclassify it. And you can also message them if you're publishing uh, to Amazon directly. You can message them and ask to be added to a bunch of other categories because <laughs> they only yeah. give you two. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we're getting some answers on my request to... Uh... If people want to do the badge, you know, we got White at least a couple badge. here. So yeah, yeah. DL, DL White wants one. Uh, the lady writes, says a badge would be great. Uh, DL White, yes, I yeah. need a badge. So right. we, we got to uh, get on that then. We're going to get to, yeah, I'm sure. I think there may be a certain uh, very talented graphic designer. Very, Actually, yeah. she, she didn't have internet access today, so she may not be watching right yeah. now. But... So, so, so we can we can volunteer for this since she can't object. But right I do now. know that... Our newest member of the marketing team, Lexi Green, is in the uh, in the audience, and uh, she's amazing. And she might actually do us the favor of reminding and requesting uh, such a badge be created. So yeah, <laughs> or telling them, <laughs> <laughs> or or getting me in trouble for bringing it up in the in the first place. Um, all right, so uh, yeah, I'm scanning through question. I think we've, we've hit all the questions and we're at time anyway, Mark, is there anything you want to throw in, uh, to kind of summarize things, uh, as to what all this stuff means for the, the yeah. community? Um, don't give up, continue to believe in yourself, continue to work on your writing, continue to work at the, the, the passion and the things that drive you to want to share stories with the world. The trends will come and go. If you're not seeing a trend that's working for you right now, don't worry, stick around. Kind of like we say in, you know, in certain parts of Canada, if you don't like the weather, stick around a couple hours, it'll change. Yeah. Right? So, um, stick it out for the long run. Cause yes, we're looking at trends for Q1, but when you look at the long-term trends, a couple things we're seeing, we're continuing to see ebook growth in general. We're continuing, continuing to see global growth in general, and we're continuing to see indie authors rocking it like the rock stars that they are. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's pretty inspiring. Uh, I'm you know I'm I'm watching this. I've been watching this business for like you for years. You know, uh, from the inside and the outside, and it's it's pretty inspiring to see how things are are shaping up and shifting. Um, all right, well that's going to wrap us up for this this week's uh, uh, self publishing insiders. I almost said something completely different. I do too many podcasts. To see. <laughs> Is what that means. Uh, for cooking nightly with so Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> for, for pan no, I won't. I won't go there. But um, if you uh, would like to continue to hear more of these sorts of insights or see the current uh, insight-filled blog post, go to ddd.tips/insight. That will that leads to a landing page where all these are going to be collected. Uh, bookmark that because then uh, you can come back and check that stuff. And you can also see like when we make little predictions, you can come back and ridicule us when we get things wrong. Um, be sure to like and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, I should have asked this several times throughout because that, that always seems to get a good reaction. But make sure you're liking and subscribing on whatever platform you're on. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, whatever podcast platform you listen to, make sure you're uh, checking us out and uh, you want to go to 
Uh, where did it go? Uh, sorry. Sometimes these things disappear <laughs> on me, but make sure you bookmark D2DLive.com because that's where we'll count down to each week's episode with the, the topics and everything. You can also find links to past episodes uh, so that you can kind of go check us out on the blog there. Uh, but that is, that's going to wrap us up, Mark. And for everyone paying attention, thank you so much for being a part of this industry insight stuff. We'd have no insights if there was no industry. You folks are the industry. So thank you for being a part of this uh, this amazing community of uh, authors and publishers. As we grow, as you grow, uh, Mark, thank you for being our Sherpa uh, in, these, in this mountain of data. And everyone else, we'll see you all next time. That's it for this week's Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft to Digital. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.